You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. You remember uh, the last time that you experienced the actual power of God? When you saw a mountain get moved, so to speak, when you just really experienced the power of God in your life. Maybe it was a time where you learned a new truth and because of that new truth, God's presence and God's uh, just grace flooded your heart and there was just kind of a, a new awareness in your life for him and, 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 and to him. Maybe it was in a worship service and God brought you to tears during the music or, or something to that effect. You saw a miracle, you saw God heal someone or you, you saw God answer a prayer that you'd been praying for a long time. And, and I just wonder, can you remember that moment? Wasn't that an incredible moment? Wasn't that just a moment where you were just like, whoa, God is real. There was just that, that intense feeling of joy and just a closeness to the Lord and just the awareness that, that God is a powerful God. You had this sense of awe, of wonder for God. Now, I don't believe God created us to uh, experience that moment every day of our life. I don't think that's what we're going for. I think we go through seasons, but I do believe God wants us to experience his power and those wow moments in life much more than we are actually experiencing. And so we have to have the eyes, the ears to hear this, to see this, because I believe the miracles of God are happening all around us every single day. I believe we have to position ourselves in, in, in the environments and in, in the right places that we would in fact be where God is and, 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 and experience the things that God is doing because God is always on the move. God is always working. The question is, are we experiencing that power? Artists call it the visual of, uh, the, the, the visual, let me see, the visual of uh, lethargy. Um, the, the reality for them, they say, is that the more you see something, the less you actually see it. And so, so the, the idea is the more that we see something, the less we actually see it. It's that little crack in the drywall at home. And it used to bug you to death. And, 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 and your wife told you to fix it and you knew you needed to fix it. And, and you thought, man, I got to fix it. And I got to go to Home Depot and I've got to get the spackling. I got to get the paint. I've got to do all this stuff. But, you know, you get busy and it's just this little project that just kind of hangs. And, and after a couple of weeks, that crack that used to bother you no longer bothers you anymore, right? You just don't see it. And you're like, oh, yeah, now I got to go home and fix it, Trent. Thanks. <laughs> So the idea for us is that, you know, this really sets in in our spiritual life as well. We get used to the grace of God. We get used to seeing God doing so many things. We have so many material possessions that over time we've experienced so much of God's grace that sometimes we forget about it. We don't see it anymore. We don't expect it anymore. We don't give him credit for it when it does, in fact, happen. Now, on the other side, I believe God wants us to experience this power, this awe, this wonder of who God is. Do you remember when that event took place in your life and you noticed the, the beauty of God, you noticed the grace of God, the power of God, you were thankful for him, you were inspired by him. Wonder was in fact awakened in your heart. There was this wonder and awe-inspiring amazement of who he is. 
And for some of us, I want us to, to think about this wonder today and, and really see if we can put ourselves in position uh, to actually experience God's power in unique ways. Again, now, what is wonder? Wonder is this idea, this feeling of amazement. It's this feeling of, wow, God, you are amazing. It's when we're saying, is our reality exceeding our expectations? When our reality is exceeding what we expected, that is a wow moment. That is a God moment in our life. And I want us to experience it. People say that, you know, 90% of that wonder or that aweness happens when we're kids. And uh, a few examples. I remember when your mom and dad, as a child, took you to McDonald's and they were like, hey, we're going to McDonald's. And you were like, wow, yes, happy meal. I'm going to get the toy. I'm going to get the fries. I'm going to get the nuggets. I'm going to play on the playground. It was a lit day, right? I mean, you were pumped. But now as an adult, you're like, eh, I don't think we need to go to McDonald's today, right? You've lost that wow factor when it comes to McDonald's. Think about Christmas. As a kid, Christmas is a wow moment, right? Like, oh my gosh, it's Christmas. Can we open presents? Can we open one tonight? Can we open one tonight? It's Christmas Eve. Can we please, 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 please? And Christmas morning, can we wake up? Can we wake up? Can we wake up? I was the youngest of four kids, and I just remember like waking up so early, and all of my siblings were still snoozing away as teenagers or in college, and I would, I would slam the toilet lid. I would throw stuff in the kitchen and just make all the noise I could to wake everybody up. Why? Because there was a wonder for Christmas as a kid. But now, as you're older, as an adult, it's like, can we sleep in just a little bit longer why do we have to spend all this money on stuff that we're not going to use anyway? You know, you just kind of get negative about it. You lose the wonder. You know, for some of you, you've lost the wonder of God. And when you lose the wonder of God, this expectancy that he's going to do something greater than you can ever imagine, you stop growing. And when you stop growing, you start becoming more and more inward focused. And, 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 and it's this vicious cycle to where you don't experience God's power any longer in any new ways or any new things. We've all met those people in our life who have the wonder of God within their heart. These are people that aren't bound by tradition. They try new things. They're not like, like held down by negative thinking. They don't let people distract them from what God's calling them to do. And it, it's like, it's amazing. They, they just stop saying, how God, how God, how God. And for them, their life is filled with, wow, God, wow, God, look at what he's doing. We want to be around those people, don't we? We love hanging around those people. They're encouraging to us. And, 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 and I want to be honest today that it is a struggle for all of us. To struggle for all of us to have that wonder awakened in our heart. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you have lost that awe factor of who God is, if you have lost the wonder and amazement of what God could do and, and what God wants to do in your heart, if you stop seeing that, that God is, is working in your midst and, and there's no hope or expectation that he's not going to do anything big in your life, you're on a path to where maybe you don't even understand the gospel or you're definitely on a path to where you're going to lose completely the wonder of God and then the growth from God will be absent from your life. We're in a series on Acts and if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter three. We saw in Acts one, Jesus ascends to heaven 
and he tells the uh, disciples, he says, you're going to receive power. And this power is going to enable you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the, of the earth. And so it starts in the city of Jerusalem, and then it progressively goes further and further until it spreads all around the earth. That's his goal. That was his mission. He was sending them to do that. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit does in fact come. Pentecost takes place. The, the Holy Spirit comes, fills the uh, believers Peter preaches and 3,000 people are added to the church. And then at the end of chapter two, we see church as it should be. It's an amazing chapter. Today, we're gonna see a miracle that takes place through and in this beggar man uh, in chapter three. Let's take a look at it. We're gonna read the first 10 verses. Keep your Bibles open. We'll keep looking at various verses. Uh, Verse one says this. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. And he said, look at us, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entering the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with what, church? Let's do that again. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The people around were filled with wonder. Why were they filled with wonder? Church, how do we get the wonder of God back? Some of you have lost it. You're not expecting God to do anything. You're not asking God to do anything. You're not experiencing the power of God in your life. How do you get the wonder of God, the awe of God in your life? The people here are experiencing it. Peter and John are a part of it. How do we get it back? I think there are three ways that we can get it back today. We, we see here that this man is, has been carried to the gate. And this was a strategic place to be uh, as a beggar because all of these folks were coming to pray. It was the hour of prayer. It was 3 p.m. They prayed three times a day. That meant three times a day they went to the synagogue to pray. So this man strategic about this, just like a homeless man in, in our city might go to, you know, a very busy traffic intersection to ask for money. This man was laid by this gate. And as all these great, you know, religious Jewish people would walk by, they would be thinking, oh man, you know, i probably could get some points with God if I give some money to this guy. And so, boom, he was in the right location. And as a result of that, he experiences a miracle. And the wonder and amazement of God fills his life and those around them. So how do we experience that? First thing I would say if you're taking notes is that we have to be in touch with the power of God within us. You have to be in touch with the power of God in your life as a believer. Acts 2 talks about the Holy Spirit coming. The Holy Spirit lives within believers. 
lives within our very soul. The power of God, the spirit of God lives within your soul. This means that everything has changed. He has completely forgiven you. He has filled you with hope and he has filled you with the power of the living God. Peter and John understand this. They've just received the the Holy Spirit. They're walking in this power. They're in touch with this power. They're men of prayer because obviously they are going to the synagogue to pray. So, so we are experiencing the power of God in our lives as we are in communion and in relationship with God. I'm blown away. I'm blown away by the amount of believers who don't have a real prayer life. We're not asking God for anything in our life. We're, we're not asking God to save people. We're not asking God to, you know, to open up our heart or our mind to new truth. We're not asking God to use us. You know, typically the prayer life only comes when somebody is sick and, oh, please pray for this, you know, pray for this. And everywhere on social media, if anybody's asking for prayer, most likely it's because somebody got hurt or they're sick. Like that's, that's just one aspect of prayer, right? Where's our prayer that God would send revival? Where's our prayer that God would change our heart? Where's our prayer that God would, would in fact, use us for his glory? Where's our prayer that, that God killed the sin in my life? Where's our prayer that, that would say, God, help me to deny myself. Help me to deny myself. I want to live for you. See, Peter and John, they're in touch with the power of God within them. And listen, you have to get in touch with this power. You have to realize what Peter and John have realized and what they are experiencing at this point. And that is they are a messenger for Jesus Christ. You are a messenger for Jesus. You're the ambassador. You're on mission. You've been given a a, a mission to make disciples. So you are the very man, the very woman, the student, who God has, has saved and chosen, and he has placed you in that home, he's placed you at that school, he's placed you at that job, in that office, in that classroom, wherever, to be his messenger. And until you understand that you were saved to be on a mission to make disciples, and that you are, in fact, the pastor of that office, I'm not. Until you realize you as a teacher are the pastor of that classroom. Until you realize as a coach, you are the pastor of that team, not me. You are a holy priesthood. This is what the Reformation was all about, right? Like the Catholic Church created a system where all the priests were the holy people, only they could pray to God, only they could forgive sin, only they could even read the Bible. The Reformation and thousands of martyrs later We understand the biblical truth that you are a priest. I didn't go to seminary and I'm not in full-time vocational ministry. I get that, but you're the priest. You don't need that to be on mission with Jesus. You've got to understand that the power of God is in your life. You are called to this. You, You are a part of this great commission. My job is to equip, inspire you, Your job as a believer is to take that to work, to take that to the ball field, to take that to the classroom, to take that to your family, and to understand that God's power within you is going to use you to tell your story, to share the gospel, and change lives. When I asked earlier 
about a time that you experienced God's power in your life. Uh, I, would, I would bet, I'd be willing to bet that if you in fact thought of a time that it was in a church building, it was in like a worship service, like in a sermon, you know, or like in the music and you were moved or whatever. But you realize in the book of Acts, we're going to see 40 different miracles. This is the first miracle in the early church. And out of those 40 miracles, do you know how many of those miracles happened inside the church? One. 39 of those miracles happened outside the walls of the church, which tells us something. If you want to experience the wonder and awe and power of God, it's probably not going to happen in here. Because when we are on mission with God and we're actually doing what he's calling us to do, then is when we experience that power. It's when we begin to see miracles in our life. So when we begin to see this allness awakened inside of us. See, this is about, you know, rallying the troops, equipping, teaching, encouraging, singing together. Yeah, this is a great encouraging day. But the real work happens when we leave. The real work happens when you walk out these doors. And until you begin to realize that and you're in touch with the call and the power of God that is within you, I'm afraid you won't experience what God wants you to experience. So we've got to be in touch with this power within us. People say, I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm not good enough. I've got sin. I've got all these things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do I. I'm not good enough either. Like we have all of these things, but as we are making those comments, I want you to realize what you're saying. What you're saying is God isn't powerful enough to use me. Oh gosh. Did you really say that? Did you, do you really think that? Like you're a believer and you think that God's not powerful enough to do that? I'm watching for lightning. That storm is coming back. It is coming in the building. Of course he's powerful enough to use you. I, I love what William Barclay says. He's a writer, author, scholar. He said the secret of the Christian life is this. They're gonna put it on the screen. He said this. So long as the Christian thinks only of what he can do, what he can be, there can be nothing but failure and frustration and fear. But when he thinks of not I, but Christ in me, there can be nothing but peace and power. So if you're living your life thinking, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do this. I kind of feel like, yeah, I kind of read the Bible and I kind of know that, but I don't know if I can do that. You're gonna have a life according to him that's filled with frustration, failure, and fear. But if your thought process is Christ in me, Christ in me, I no longer live. The life I live is no longer for me. I'm living for Christ. Christ is in me. Then power and peace follow. You've got to understand the power that is within you. God has given you the spirit of God. And he's going to use that power in you, your story, the gospel, through your ministry to change people's life. And I know that's hard to believe sometimes, but this is the system that God has created we think that it can only happen when somebody preaches. Wrong. 39 times in the Bible, it's happening on the streets. Churches are starting in the, in, in, the, in the book of Acts, not by all the apostles, but all of these lay people that we don't even know their name. So we've got to break the mold and think that, okay, I've got to be a pastor or, you know, the pastor can do. No, no, no. God's given you this power. You've got to be in touch with it, and you've got to live in that power. The second thing that they do is they're actually fixing their attention outside 
of themselves. And so the takeaway for you is to fix your attention outside of you. If we don't have an allness of God, if we don't have a wonder of God's power, like he, he's gonna blow our minds, like he's gonna do something that we don't expect. If we don't have that wonder of, of God, what we begin to do is we develop a wonder of self because that's really the only alternative. I, I'm either in awe of God and my life is submitted to the allness and wonder of God or I've submitted to a wonder of myself. And therefore, I just live for myself and I, you know, I, I try to accumulate how much I can accumulate and material things. I'm, I'm searching for happiness and all these things. And, and it really is, is basically a life that is uh, you know, based upon what I want, when I want it, and when I need it. And it's very self-motivated. But in order to experience the power of God, you've got to look at the needs and fix your attention on the needs of other people outside of you. Think about this man for a minute. Think about this. There's desperation all around us. And this man is desperate. In verse four, it said that Peter fixed his gaze on this man. That Greek word there, atenezo, means to fix your attention. It means an earnest, intense gaze, a steadfast attention. So we've got to fix our attention on the needs around us. We can't just throw a couple of bucks to the homeless guy on the side of the road and think that we're doing anything good other than enabling him to continue to have bad habits, you know? Or, or we can't just throw a couple of bucks in the offering plate on Sunday and think that, oh, okay, I'm doing my job or I, I did something unique or special. Think that God's gonna bless that. That's just more and more disobedience. We have to understand that we've gotta meet people's physical needs and their spiritual needs. And to do that, we have to be able to fix our attention on them, not just blow by them in the busyness and the pace of this world and this life, worried about what I've gotta do when I, when I wanna do it, and we've got to see these needs that are around us. Think about how many years this man has been sitting there. In Acts 4, we're going to see that he was 40 years old. So for, I don't know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, this man has been begging. He is a crippled man. He had to be carried there. I mean, this is a hopeless man. Think about this culture at this time in the first century. There was no government program that was, that was there to assist him or to help him financially, physically, in any way. He would have been seen as an outcast, like somebody in your family sinned and God judged you and that's why you're crippled. There were no electric chairs. There, were no meta, there was no medicine. There was, there was no physical therapy. There was nothing to help this guy. He was seen as a helpless cripple, never fitting in, never getting invited to the party, a life filled with humiliation, a life filled with anxiety, a life filled with hopelessness, hunger, and you think you have problems. His deformity is so severe that he's being carried there. And a lot of scholars believe that they weren't carrying him to the gate out of their goodwill. Most likely they were carrying him there because they were using him to make money. So we're going to carry him there. All these religious people are going to give you money. And then we're going to take what we want. So not only is he humiliated as a beggar, but most likely he's also experiencing the emotional pain and suffering that he's being used and manipulated for somebody else's profit. The poor man does what he does every day. He asks for money. He's not asking for healing. He's just asking for money. Peter says, silver or gold have I none, but what I do have rise. Now, why is he asking for money? Because he feels like that's his biggest need. 
Some of you feel like money is your biggest need. God, if you would just give us this, then we could pay off this debt, and then we could do. Money's not your biggest need. Money's not the biggest need of the person in the office either. They may think it is. You may think it is. Any financial problems that we have are a result of a deeper spiritual problem that we have. Why? What is this insatiable desire to buy more stuff that we can't afford and continue to run up credit and continue to do this? What is that? There's something there that would lead us to be you know, unfaithful stewards with our, with our money. So this man, he doesn't need money. He needs Jesus. He, he, needs his, he needs his physical needs met. He does need food. He does need resources to be able to take care of him. But most importantly, he has spiritual needs that he, in fact, needs Jesus. So the reality is, Peter has a plan here, and you need a plan to help people. You know, it's, it, there's a book called When Helping Hurts. And in this book, the, the, the author is explaining how we think we're helping people by throwing money at them or doing this for them. And what we're doing is we're actually enabling them to continue to have bad behaviors. And as a result, they're, they're worse off than if we would have empowered them to accomplish it on their own. And so if you think throwing money, a little chump change here and there is helping anybody, newsflash, it ain't. Peter has a plan here to help this man both physically and spiritually. We can't just help like physical needs and not talk about Jesus. That would be us being disobedient to the commands of Christ. And we can't just show up to somebody uh, and, and, and you know, preach the gospel and not actually care about them. You have to care about both. And so he needs a plan. Peter's plan is this, get up and walk. Boom. That's not going to be your plan. <laughs> That's not my plan. Like miracles still happen, but in the early church, the apostles were the ones doing miracles here, and that was a unique time in the church. It's not happening like that anymore. Now, do miracles still happen? Absolutely. Miracles are happening every day. In fact, I would argue that what doctors are doing today, and some of you guys are doctors, what you're doing today, the, the early church would have considered a miracle. And what has happened over time is God has revealed to mankind more truth and more knowledge to be able to allow our science to advance. And as a result, we're able to see miracles on a regular basis at the hospitals all around the world. A wise doctor would say, you know what? I bandaged the wound, but God does the healing. And so, yeah, miracles are happening all the time, but God's not gonna just, you know, use me to heal people. In fact, if you hear of someone that's doing a healing service and they're doing this, you're thinking crazy person, right? You're talking swindler and how much money is he asking for? Because that's, that's kind of that world. No, the plan that we have at our church is, is, is called the journey. And uh, we, we want to help equip you. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen, you know, on one Sunday morning. It happens as you intentionally decide to grow as a disciple of Jesus. And so we call it base camp. That's step one. Camp two, Pastor Todd has has, has taken what was good and made it incredible, and it's great. And, and, and so we're, we want to help you discover your gifts, your purpose. We want to help you share the gospel with people, and we want to help put you in a place where you're actually doing ministry that changes lives. And so that's our plan, right? And so we want to invite you to join that plan and to experience that. Peter had a plan. It worked really well. Our plan is going to be a little bit different. But also, Peter is trusting God. He's trusting the power of God in his life. And he's actually doing something. 
we get caught in this vortex of, I don't know what I want to do. I don't want to know. I don't know what I want to do. And I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. Peter sees a need and he does something. What are you doing? Are you doing anything that would position yourself to see the power of God in and through your life? To help restore that wonder of God that you've lost as if God doesn't exist anymore or God can't use you any longer. Now, can we just pause for a second and remember who Peter is? Peter's the guy, we went through the Gospel of John several months ago. Peter is the guy that actually denied that he knew Jesus. And he did it three different times during that one 24-hour period. He denied that he was a follower of Jesus. He denied that he even knew Jesus. He was a traitor. What a punk. If you were Jesus and your best friend did that to you, he left you in your greatest time of need, the next time you saw him, what would you do? Cold shoulder at the least, right? Cold shoulder. I'd probably punch you in the throat, right? I don't know what you would do. You know what Jesus does? Makes him the leader of the church. I don't care what you've done. I know you're messed up. I'm messed up. I know there's sin in your life. I know there's a lot of growth that needs to happen in your life. It needs to happen in my life. I know your marriage is struggling from time to time. So does mine. Peter made a huge mistake, like huge, huge, huge. And Jesus made him the leader of the church. Can we just stop pretending like our stuff is too bad for for God to heal and to change and to use us? Can we stop playing that game here? You don't have to pretend like you have it all together here at FC. You don't have to pretend like everything is perfect. If you do, then I just think, you know, you're being deceptive because it's not. (laughs) This is why our small groups are so important that we're real and authentic in these groups where God can speak truth in our lives. You don't have to be perfect because you're not. And at the same time, God can use those imperfections in that story And he wants to, in fact, use that story to benefit other people. And when you begin to do that outside these walls, that's when the power and awe and wildness starts to happen in your life. You want to get that back? You want to experience that? It's time to take that next step. It's time to realize that God can and must and does forgive you. And he wants to use you. There's a story about Thomas Aquinas, he was a, uh, an Italian priest in the 1200s, and uh, he was talking to the Pope at that time, Pope Innocent II. And the Pope is said to have been counting a large sum of money on the table. And as he was doing that, he looked at Thomas and he said, Oh, Thomas, you see, the church can no longer say silver and gold, have I none. And Thomas replied, Yes, Holy Father, but neither, sh- neither can she say, rise and walk. See, the reality is we can, we can fall into that same pattern of being consumed with materialism, being distracted with the things of the world, being distracted by what I want to do for my little kingdom, totally distracted, totally forgetting what God wants to do. And as a result, we're powerless. As a result, we don't see anything great. We don't see anything in our life that produces fruit, but that can change. You can change that in fact today. Start putting those needs and and, and seeing those needs around you. Verse 10, when the man is healed, wonder floods the land. (laughs) Like they are amazed at God's power. Uh, They are amazed at 
the miracle. Uh, when I was uh, 21, I think, years old, I went to South Africa for the first time. Uh, if you've been here a while, you've heard this story or heard parts of this story, but uh, there were 12 of us, uh, all white guys, all went to South Africa, uh, big, tall guys. We would go into these African villages where they were 100 percent, you know, black. We as, you know, very large white dudes walking into these villages, and we were told at that time that some of these young kids had never even seen a white person before. When we stepped into the village, guess what? All eyes on us. What is happening? What are these guys doing here? And then we, we, were, we were teaching them the game of basketball, and we were having fun with them, and we were playing around with them just using this game. And, and, and then as a result of that, we had everyone's attention. Like everyone was listening to what we had to say. We could have said anything, they would have listened, right? But what we had was the gospel. And so we preached over and over and over and over again. And, and God used that experience in my life to change me. I, I was sharing my testimony on a regular basis, two, three, four times a day, they asked me to preach for the first time. And I'm telling you what, I mean, I, I was terrible. It was an awful thing, like, to be able to witness that at that part of, of, of my journey. But God used it. We saw hundreds of people receive Christ over that two-week period. You see, when you have someone's attention, you've got to mention the name of Jesus, this is what Peter does. He sees the miracle. They're filled with amazement. They're filled with wonder. All eyes on Peter. And what does he do? For the rest of the chapter, he preaches the gospel. If you're taking notes, the bottom line, this is point number three, the bottom line, when you have their attention, mention the name of Jesus. Don't say, oh, the big man upstairs is helping me out. Or No, mention the name of of Jesus. You own your own business. You have a family. You're, you're, you're interacting with people. People compliment you. People, whatever, you know, are, are, are talking about ways in which they see a blessing on your life. Mention the name of Jesus. You know what? Thank you for that compliment. The family that God's given to me is only because of the grace of Jesus in my life. You know, Hey, man, this business is awesome. Hey, thanks for your service. This was great. This was a great experience for me, man. I, I'm glad the grace of Jesus in my life has allowed me to do anything good in this business. Give him all the credit. Mention the name of Jesus. Talk about your story. It's not how it always was, man. I used to be a complete idiot, and, and, and I still am from time to time, but God's grace has saved me, and he's changing me, and Mention the name of Jesus. This is what Peter does. He, he takes the next several verses to talk about what Jesus has done. He says it was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and it's through the power of Jesus Christ. You killed him, you disowned him, you murdered him. You killed the author of life, he says, but God raised him from the dead. Are you giving Jesus credit for the blessings in your life? Are you verbalizing this? Man, you want to see the power of God begin to work in your life? Start verbalizing the name of Jesus on a regular basis. Start giving Jesus credit. Peter is saying here, look, it wasn't because of what I did. This is what Jesus has done. It wasn't me. It was him. It's not about me. This is what he has done. And he shares the gospel from start to finish with these people. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know what? I want to encourage you to take away two things today as I wrap this deal up today. The first thing is this. 
You wanna experience the power of God in your life. You wanna get back the wonder of the Lord in your life. You've gotta start looking at the needs around you and fixing your attention on them. You've gotta gotta understand and get in touch with the power of God in your life. Realizing he wants to do this, he's going to do this if you give him control. And then you also have to begin to mention the name of Jesus. So how do we do this? Two ways, really easily. Tell your story. Your story is, is how you became a follower of Jesus. Some of you have never shared your story before. I get that. Some of you have never thought through your story. And, and, and so we have a way to help you do that. If you go to uh, foothillschurch.com, click on sermons, Acts chapter 3, there's going to be two resources there today. It's also on your app if you've got the FC app open. But that first resource is the, is the My Story Packet. If you've never written down your story, you've never written it down, you've never typed it out, the takeaway for you, I'm challenging you to do this, right? If you choose to accept it, to go home, download that document, work your way through it, and formulate your story. The Bible says to always be ready to give the hope that you have in Jesus. And so with that in mind, we want to share our story with you. We want to be ready to share how we came to know Jesus Christ. Now, for some of you, you've already done that. You've been to base camp. You've been to camp too. We, we help people do that in that course. And, 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 and then uh, as a result of that, like, okay, so what do I, I've got my story, but have you shared it with anyone? Go home and practice it with your spouse. Practice it to your dog so you get comfortable sharing it. And then be ready to share it and ask God to give you opportunities to share it. Be thinking about it. How am I gonna share it today? And then the second thing is, there's a second resource on there. And it's a, it's a video of Pastor Brandt teaching a gospel presentation called The Three Circles. And The three, three Circles is just a simple way for you to share the gospel with someone. And there's an, actually an app. You can download the app, Three Circles. You can search it in the app store. Just in case you forget, you can walk through it. But it's a very easy way to share the gospel so that when you're sitting at Starbucks or at some coffee shop and you're, you're meeting with someone and the conversation, you know, turns into, uh, man, my marriage isn't going so well or I'm feeling depressed or you hear some kind of problem or pain or brokenness, then you can begin to step in with a conversation that says, man, I know exactly how you feel. I went through that as well. When I was seven, eight, nine, 20, whatever your story is, I learned about who Jesus was. And I gave my life to him and this is what he's done for me and what he's doing for me. And I don't have it figured out, but man, I have a new hope. I have a new purpose. You can walk into a conversation and then you want to talk about a wow moment when somebody's tears start filling their face for the first time, maybe they hear the gospel. For the first time, they hear a message of hope. And it's at some restaurant, it's at some coffee shop, it's on your back porch. And you're thinking, whoa, whoa, God, God, what are you doing here? This is only supposed to happen on a Sunday. Like you're not supposed to like save people outside of Sunday mornings during the invitation when Trent tells people to do that, right? No, you start experiencing the power of God as it was intended outside of these walls. Three circles, learn how to share it. Get involved in the journey. For some of you, it would be a simple prayer today that I would encourage you to make. And the prayer would just be, God, Awaken the wonder. Awaken the wonder in my heart. You've lost that wonder. You've lost that hope. You've lost that expecting uh, a mentality that God is going to show up and do something. There's three blessings. There's three promises in uh, verse 17 here. 
or actually verse 19, Peter says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that, may he, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Three blessings here. When we repent of sin, that means we turn away from a life of sin and we submit our life to Jesus. We become a follower of Jesus. When he saves us, he says that our sins are blotted out. So that's total forgiveness in verse 19. He forgives you of all sin, past, present, future, all sin. He blots out, he erases. The second blessing that he gives us in verse 20 is spiritual refreshment. Some of you are hurting you're depressed, you're lonely, you, you're, you're in need of a refreshing, you know, wind. You need the Spirit of God to refresh your spirit. The third blessing is, is total and complete restoration. Universal restoration, verse 21. Jesus will restore all things. We live in a broken world. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. This isn't what it was supposed to be. But our hope in the gospel is that Jesus is going to come back and restore all of this. That means he's going he's to make it whole again. He's going to make our brokenness whole, complete, in paradise as it should be. So we long for that day. As followers of Christ, our sins are forgiven, our spirits are refreshed, and we're longing for the day where Jesus returns and he makes everything whole again. Now for some of you, as I talk about this, you've never received that spiritual refreshment. You've never experienced salvation. You've never truly submitted your life to Jesus. I wonder if today might be the day that you would change, that day that, the day that, that you would say yes to, to Christ in your life. And for others of you, you're searching for this wonder. You're, you're desiring this. And, and I want to lead you in a prayer today. And, a, and we're going to close with a song that is our declaration, is our, our anthem of where we want to be as a, as a people. Would you bow your heads today? How many of you would say, Trent, if I was going to make a commitment today, it would be this. It would be a simple prayer that says, you know what? God, awaken the wonder in me. God, awaken the wonder. How many of you, by show of hands, nobody's looking around, how many of you would say, Trent, that is my prayer today? Would you just slip up your hand and put it down? God, awaken the wonder in me, just showing him today as a sign see it all over. Awaken the wonder. How many of you would say, Trent, for me, challenged, I want to learn how to share my story. For me, challenge is, is to go home and, and fill out this My Story packet, to, to kind of take the time to walk through that. And today, that's my commitment to God. How many of you would say, that's my commitment by show of hands, lift it up high, put it down, showing God, that's what I'm going to do. Not done that all over. That's awesome. How many of you would say, Trent, I've done the, the story deal. Maybe I'm not sharing it. And maybe for me, I need to learn how to share the gospel. And that's not going to happen overnight. And that's not going to, you know, just totally transform your day. But I'm going to take the next step. And you've shown me a next step, Trent. And that's to go and, and begin to embrace this three-circle deal, whatever that is. I'm going to go watch that and begin to figure that out. And that's my commitment. How many of you would say that's my commitment today by a show of hands? I want to learn how to share it. I want to learn how to share it all over. Anyone else? I want to learn how to share it. Praise God. How many of you would say, hearing all of this today, 
my reality is I've never given my life to Christ. Anybody at all in this room that would say, never given my life to Christ, but today I'd like to? Anyone at all just by show of hands? Anybody? Just lift it up, put it back down. Anybody at all? All right, I didn't see anybody. Here's the reality for you. We've got a room called the Care and Prayer Room. When you walk out the back doors, it's gonna be immediately to your left. We've got some folks in there that would love to talk with you and share with you and encourage you in that decision today. Whatever your decision is, whatever God is stirring in your heart, let's ask him to do so right now. God, awaken the wonder in us. God, we wanna sing this song that is an anthem that says, you know what? We do believe in you. You're the God of miracles. We believe that you want to do more. We believe that you can do more. We believe that you want to use us to do more. You want us to experience your power. We've got to to move with you, God. Awaken this wonder in us. You could do so much more. You want to do so much more than we are allowing you to do. God, help us to get out of your way and restore that wonder. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.